1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing?
0: We are doing quite well, aren't we? I feel like I can speak for you, Scott. So yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, c- certainly. We had an educational pre-show session. I learned that all I learned about many of the uh, the cool things I'm missing out on the world of uh children's uh reading uh progression. So <laughs> who knows? There might be a webinar on the same topic soon, huh?
0: Well, yeah. And we, hey, I love our, in, in, in case anyone didn't join yesterday, I love our new little backdrop here. It's kind of cool. Yeah.
1: It is. And gosh, we didn't have
0: to carve out a corner for the, lo- the logo. We just put it all over this whole thing.
1: Well, and your comments will be the size of billboards, folks. You'll be able to read it from across the way room. People.
0: Somebody okay. say something meaningful or right. useless. It doesn't matter.
1: But hey, Greg, all kidding aside, we've got another home run guest here today. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the importance of building trust-filled relationships with your freight forwarder, which will only help your efforts to get your stuff in the right place at the right time, at the right price, with less headaches. So Greg, should be a great chat today, right?
0: Yeah. And talk about timely, right? I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're one of the biggest struggles we're we're talking to people about all the time with practitioners is is exactly that. Where's my stuff?
1: Right. You're very right. Very right. Especially uh, here as we move into as we talked about yesterday with uh, our gang at the Supply Chain Buzz, which Alex Fuller and, uh, and UPS showed up for. I was one of our featured guests. You know, we're now we're past Halloween. We are in primo shopping and shipping season. So look forward to lots of lessons learned over the next few months. Um, but Greg, before we bring on our guest, we, we made a little promise of things to come. So let's say hello to a few folks. Uh, I want to start with Glorimar, who's back with us. How about that?
0: Hey, I like that because, yeah, you're right. You you mentioned that before we came on. You can see the the profile pic much, much better. Yeah.
1: So Glorimar, I was doing this before. <laughs> Gloria Mark great to have you back with us really all uh, we've enjoyed your perspective you sharing these live streams all the time and good morning and hey, hate that you missed the buzz yesterday but hey you know what it's all on replay on demand at your fingertips hey Catherine uh, great to see you here happy Tuesday all uh, big thanks to Catherine Clay Amanda everyone behind the scenes making things happen on the production side um, and Clay is commenting on the new look hey, you can even see the diesel there how about that
0: Hey, um, there's ten thousand people about to go change their profile pictures. <laughs> so you can actually see it.
1: Now. Oh gosh, that'd be a fun exercise for the next yeah. hour. But here's We're here's something $100 new: hundred dollars per shot. <laughs> so earlier today, I was able to catch up with Gene Pledger, Greg, one of our uh, supply chain now dear family members. Right, we've enjoyed his contributions for a couple of years now. Probably, I found a new nickname. He told me he normally goes. He's a drummer, by the way. He's a musician. And he, and he goes by Gino. Everybody calls him Gino. Oh, so my God. We got gosh. a new nickname would, for GP.
0: Why would, yeah, he's got to put that up there.
1: So we'll see if we can challenge him to do that. But uh, yeah. uh, Gino, great to uh, connect with you earlier today.
0: Why hide that? Come on, Gino.
1: <laughs> well, and he's supposed to be sending us some YouTube of him uh, uh, banging away uh, and as part of a music act. So we'll see. Uh, we'll yeah. see if he delivers. Speaking of delivering, Greg, speaking of delivering. Uh, are you ready? We've got a heck of a guest here today. Are we ready to bring on our featured guest? You ready?
0: Speaking of delivering, let's talk about freight forwarding. Yes, let's go.
1: Amen. So let's. Uh, with that said, I want to uh, introduce our guest today, Paula Roach, Managing Director of Enterprise Accounts with UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Hey, hey, Paula. Hey. How are you yes, doing?
2: I know. I felt I felt my hair go back just a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. I'm ready, right? It's good stuff. Perfect. Well,
1: it is so nice to see you finally. We've really enjoyed uh, our pre-show conversations. Learned a ton already. Um, and really, I want to start there. Before we get into the heavy lifting, heavy shipping, whatever you want to call it, uh, I want to mm-hmm. give folks the opportunity to get to know you a little better. Uh, so we are going to start with a fun warm-up question because Greg, okay. today is a very special national holiday, which will have parades from coast to coast. No, I'm not talking about the end of election season. I'm talking about national Harvey wallbanger day. Yes. That's the thing on November 8th. Mm-hmm. Now I've never had one of these, but a couple thoughts here. It's a famous drink that really hit it big in the seventies, made with vodka, galliano liqueur and, and orange juice. And while there's a couple different origin stories, the go-to is it was made for a surfer who consumed evidently a few of these, and then ran into the wall as he was, as he or she was trying to exit uh, the establishment. So that's where the name supposedly held from. So here's the question, Greg and Paula. Paula, you're gonna, we're going to start with you. Now, as things are starting to get colder and you're in the Denver area, that gorgeous part of the country, um, what is one of your go-to adult beverages that you can sip on and relax a little bit with?
2: Gosh, well, when the weather starts getting cold, I like warmer beverages and things like that. So I definitely like a good Hot apple cider, and depending on how the week is gone, it may or may not contain some of that vodka in the first um, Harvey Wallbanger that you have. But I definitely um, that that's a good one to warm you up.
1: I love that. So so it's not about letting you know, having one version that may have sat and turned for a lot longer, and a version that might be um, uh, more suitable for the whole, all the kids and all. It's more about a microwave uh, the vodka, and depending <laughs> on the week that we've had. I'm with you, Paula. Greg, Greg, your comments and your go-to beverage
0: uh yeah well as it gets cooler in the south which is only relative right i i like i shift to drinking uh guinness which is perfect for cool weather i mean it's right it's made for ireland which is frequently chilly so uh, it's super tasty uh nice. hey on the harvey wallbanger thing i would love to see how the guy who claims to have built Created the Harvey Wallbanger, which for anyone who doesn't know is basically a screwdriver, vodka, orange juice, Galliano, and grenadine. Yeah. Um, So I bet it's pretty tasty. I'd like to know (laughs) how, while he was running his mixology school in Hartford, Connecticut, he also invented the Harvey Wallbanger in Manhattan Beach, California. So (laughs) I doubt it. Like most drink uh, lore, it's 100% made up. But I'll tell you what, they've had a hard time finding anyone else to claim credit for it.
1: All right. So, Harvey, you're out there. We're challenging you to come forward. The real Harvey out there. Come forward and tell us a real story. Real Harvey. Um, so, Paula, um, so I, I, and I love the apple cider approach, by the way. I'm yeah. looking forward to things getting a little bit chillier here and, and, and parting with that in a, um, a fire pit, which is a, a, a great, uh, relaxing evening. Uh, let's continue getting to know you a little better. Paula, uh, and we really, really enjoyed the conversations. Tell us, you know, where did you grow up, Paula?
2: Yeah, so I'm originally from Southern California, not the San Diego fund, but the more Los Angeles, so more of the Valley kind of area. And then I decided that I wanted to change a pace, so I actually went to school in Arkansas because there couldn't be more two different cities than L.A. to Arkansas. <laughs> um, and then from Arkansas, I knew that I was I needed to to try something different. And ironically enough, I went online. I said, "Where? What company has?" offices all over the world, all over the country. So maybe I can move and do something. And I came across a small freight forwarder and I moved to Chicago, Illinois. And I spent a couple years there. And then I ended up getting promoted and being able to move to Denver, Colorado, which is where I'm at today. And we joke, I never got back to California, but I went west, went for, came back further west. And it's a great city and a great state to be stuck in for all the right reasons, right?
1: Well, and, and that's what you were. I've been picking up on a couple of our earlier conversations. You're a big fan of Denver. Is it a mix of uh, the people out there, the weather, uh, the activities? Is it a little bit of all that?
2: It is. It's a little bit of everything. The only thing that Colorado is missing is water. We need a great <laughs> body of water, right? We have no ocean like Greg. We, we're missing that great body, but we do have beautiful mountains, beautiful winters and summers, but the water is what's missing. So.
1: Well, uh, big fans of Denver. Uh, and let's talk about, uh, let shift gears kind of your professional journey. So, uh, and you've already shared, um, um, a little bit of that, but tell us more, what else would you add in terms of what, uh, fueled you to, to end up in your current position?
2: Yeah, I think I've kind of heard a lot of people. I sort of just got stuck, right? I started in it. It got interesting. There was always something to learn and grow and changes. And all of a sudden, you know, 22 years later, I'm still doing it and still learning and figuring it out and coming up with different challenges. And right. When we all can figure out the consumer, maybe we'll have um, a little bit better insight to how this supply chain works. Right. Because that has seemed to impact us all lately.
1: <laughs> ah, it's so true. Greg, your thoughts there. Well, I mean, what
0: a classic story. How many of us, you know, Gen Xers or whatever, thought I want to go into supply chain right? Cause it wasn't even called supply chain back then. In fact, it was called a bajillion different things back then, if you could even put it all together. Um, so that, you know, we have this whole sort of generation of people who kind of backed into supply chain. It's And it, I think it's important for us to recognize is that as we adapt this and make it more data driven and process driven and, you know, a lot of Paul, what you addressed already, right? Well, pre-show you addressed, uh, um, we need to recognize that there's a lot of practical knowledge out there that came before the data that can inform that data that can help us um, run supply chain better. But agreed. Um, what I, you know, my immediate thought, Scott was, man, I think they made a movie called Footloose and she's like Ren, right? <laughs> she comes, she's the hip kid from California who comes to the <laughs> Southern Midwest and teaches them all how to dance and then goes <laughs> and stays with her, her in in Chicago, right? Paula, is there that? any truth right. to that? Any I truth know, to that Paula. Right. The
2: fast talk in California went to the slow talk in Arkansas. And I tell you, it was I'm still not slowed down from that <laughs> process. Um, so I have to watch that, especially when I when I get moving and I get a little impassioned for that Love kind it. of piece. But well, and what's ironic, and I will add this in because I think that this is what is beneficial, right? From all of us who were not classically trained in supply chain or whatever they called it, is that those backgrounds I think make us all stronger today. Yeah, because of that, you know, I took one operational class, but the marketing, the international finance, all of those things, I think, is what makes this community so wonderful
1: oh, at the Paula. end of the day. You're speaking our language. And, Greg, I know we got a couple of questions on your end, but really quick, I think that diversity of backgrounds. In fact, I was just talking this morning to someone that um, that came from the School of Hard Knocks, right? Not, they didn't go that academic, academic path. They've been doing big things Which in supply campus, chain. Scott? Uh, yeah, a lot of us can relate, right? For that. That's right. And I think yeah. that to your point, Paul, I think that's, that's a great t-shirtism. That is what uh, all that variety and diversity of perspectives and paths and walks of life is what makes global supply chain such a wonderful and stronger industry, despite what we've been through the last few years. Um, all right. So Greg, where uh, are we going next with Paula?
0: Uh, let's go back and talk about California. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, no, I think <laughs> I would love to, you know, you, and you know why, Paula, let's, let's talk about some restaurants and things. Uh, now nah, as long as we're going right. to talk about freight forwarding, I'd love to maybe have you share with our audience how you at freight forwarding you personally, I guess, how you I- interact with, shippers and, and your team and, and all of that sort of thing. Just give folks an idea of what your day's like.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I do this a lot, right? We all sit on zoom talking to people. My kids joke with me all the time. They go, mom, you're always on the phone. I (laughs) said, I know there's so many great people to talk to and so many things to do. Who doesn't want to do this right at the end of the day. So yeah, I'm a part of the enterprise group. We're split into a small medium sized business and an enterprise the enterprise is just what you would think. It's household names, contract manufacturers, those sorts of things. And really, all day long, I get to to troubleshoot, talk to people, figure out where freight is, how to get it moving, where the data is, what happened here. So it is. It's a constant learning. And I wake up every single morning with not a little bit of a plan, but it always seems to fill up the day. So, so yeah.
1: Paula, really quick, uh, as you share that, I bet your relationship with the customer is like um, you know peanut butter and jelly, right? Because that's what it sounds like. Are you spending a ton of your time as you own that problem solving problems, you know, new and old, big and small? A lot of times you're interacting with the customer. Is that right? Oh,
2: absolutely. And I think one of the biggest challenges and things that we've seen, right, is the fact that we have gone from like decentralization, um, centralization. We've insourced, outsourced. We've all this stuff that we have realized that so many supply chains have become so customized over the years that you really have to talk to people and you have to engage with them. and you. You have to find out what they're dealing with and, and where they're headed so that way you can help support them. Um, and the, the only real way to do that is to, to talk to them at the mm. end of it, just kind of like you guys do, right? Get out and, and hear what's on the street.
1: I love that. Greg, I want to get you to weigh in. I, I want to uh, get more specific with how Paul interacts with the shipper itself, right? The organization that shipping itself to UPS in a second and get her to expound on that. But Greg, what I know was music to your ears, what she landed on a second ago, man, spending time talking with the customer, listening to the customer. What are they trying to get accomplished? You know, I bet that's music to your ears, right?
0: It is. And I think what's fascinating is how, um, golly, how, how do I say this? How uh, entertaining that must be <laughs> to, to hear the questions you hear. I imagine, especially with the shippers, it's okay. Where the hell is my stuff? When's it going to get there? <laughs> right. Uh, what's the hang up? So I... Um, Paul, I don't know if you know this, I worked for a, a retailer a while back, a big retailer, now O'Reilly Automotive, and that was, we had a whole group of people we locked in this dark room called Expeditors, and they, that's what they did, right? I, okay, so you, I can tell by that laugh. That's, you inter, interact with those people a lot, and all we would do is open the door and go, where is my stuff? <laughs> and of course, the next call comes to you, so... Um. Well, now we Um, have so much stuff, Greg. Interaction, right? I mean, you have to be not just a problem solver, but you probably have to calm things down a little bit a lot of times because there's a lot of stress when you don't have complete visibility, or or you've gotten that whether you even have the visibility. If you've gotten that call from a merchandiser or CEO or whatever to go, where is that shipment? Right, your immediate reaction is to is to maybe lash out. So. (laughs)
2: we do count to three a lot.
0: Yeah. Good. <laughs>
2: and then we, and then we address, right. But um, absolutely. And it's, it's not only is it finding the distressed or whatever's the problem it is, but saying, wait, what's the root cause? How do we stop this thing from happening while we're fighting this fire? How do we get this done over here? Mm. And I, I tell you that, that definitely it's, it's different for every customer, for every personality. And sometimes it is hard to take a step back. And breathe and realize you're not getting that container out of the 15 or the, the 1,000 stack. You're not getting, there's no way to call up and get prioritized for some of those. And so sometimes it is a matter of coping, right, right. Um, at yeah. the end of the day and, and working through it. And to the, Scott's point, write us that trust on the end that we're doing everything we can
1: to help it keep moving. So let's pick it back up there, uh, then, Paula, Because you know, uh, as we opened up with, this is all about the the value of building these really trust filled relationships, so that we can you know find our stuff, uh, move our stuff more effectively, uh, more efficiently. You name it. You've spoken a lot. You and Greg both have spoken a lot about the relationship with the customer. Let's shift over. Let, let, let's uh, shift gears to the company and maybe you know multi level relationships. You know, the company that ships stuff, the UPS. What else would you add? in terms of the value uh, that you bring to the table there.
2: Right, I think that that ability to be um, a diverse provider, right, to be able to not only be able to move the freight, but to give you the visibility on the technology, to be able to have the communication, to have it globally, right, in the footprints and have the local support that's needed. Um, And to really be able to blanket customers is very helpful because, if you put it all with one person, then that's the only person who can answer your question, right? To Greg's point, it wasn't one person probably for X there's a whole room full, right? Mm-hmm. That it absolutely takes a village at the end of the day to move it. And um, that's what I think is so wonderful about what we do, right? It's, although we're trying to get better with AI and everything else, a pamphlet can't teach you how to do supply chain, right? A textbook at the end of the day only does so much. It's really getting out there and touching and feeling it and and trying to figure out what some of the nuances are that we can we can personalize, really.
1: I love that because it's not about Greg. Uh, what color Model T do you want? You can have black or black. It's not about that. You know, one right. or two options. It is a world uh, of different uh, personalized services. What Paula Lapp, uh, ended on there, Greg. Your thoughts? And then I know you and I both are curious about how things have evolved, right?
0: Yeah, and the reality is sometimes your only option is is to wait, right? But at least <laughs> if you if you understand. You're 15th or your 1,000th or you're in a small stack or in a big stack, right? At least if Paula and her team can communicate that to you, you know where you stand and you have a good idea of some, some semblance of hope, I guess, right? Is, is that light at the end of the tunnel? Is it hope or is it a train? Um, <laughs> actually, a train could probably get, get out of that stack we could get a train. <laughs>
2: more train. trains would get you out of that step, right? right? If you're true. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Which is a whole nother set of issues right now. But, I, and I'm curious about that because at, things have changed a lot over the last almost three years now. I, I don't remember why, but it seems like things have, have really changed a lot. So, and maybe over the course of your career, obviously as well as more technology has gotten involved and sometimes deployed, sometimes not the state of the Ports and depots and all of that sort of thing. So I'm curious, when you think about what all that has changed around you, how has really the kind of the nature or the core of your job changed over the last several years?
2: Right. We've had to become so much more flexible, right? If you think just about five or 10 years ago, we would go into these ocean RFQs and there was this nice cycle. Peak was predictable. We all knew we were gonna order stuff for Christmas. We kind of had an idea of what the market was gonna do. And now to your point, right? It's like a -a whack-a-mole. Okay, the rail's fine. Wait, we're backed up in the ocean. Wait, we need more drivers. Wait, so there's constantly you're solving for different things. And then that's not even talking about overseas, right? And what's going on with with wars and just disruption and fuel prices. And it's a constant shifting and keeping an eye on on as many things as you can and solving for the highest probability, really, at the end of the day. Because not everyone can just pick up and move everything to a different country. Right, so sometimes you got to wait out the storm. To your point, and and just realize the realities of it and manage those expectations.
0: Hmm.
1: So you really that segued nicely into the next question. I wanted to expound more on those challenges that that shippers are are dealing with. And you you talked about that kind of from a macro level. You talked about it from a geographic uh, level. And you know, our heart goes out to a lot of folks that are suffering from some of those uh, natures of things that that, uh, you mentioned. What else when you think of challenges that shippers are really face with uh, in, in today's environment. Anything else come to mind?
2: Gosh, I feel like a little bit of everything comes to mind, right? Is sometimes there's so much going on here. How does it translate back out? Right. And how do we articulate that and get that communicated? Because depending on what news sources you read, you could justify any position, right? You could justify why rates need to come down. You can justify why things are better in the East coast and the West coast. And it really is. It's about trying to take all of that in in a a digestible fashion, and then figure out how that that impacts and fits for you. And I think that's what we really tried to work alongside companies and customers with is figure out, right? Air freight might not impact you today, but ocean is or North America. And where does that all fit in as you're trying to cross borders? And just at Mm. the end of the day, right? We all got to make some money, right? We got to get product moving because we got to hit the retail season, especially for for Christmas. I know we talked about Halloween, but we got (laughs) to... Plan for the future, right? here? <laughs>
1: well, well, Greg, I wanna get your comment, but really quick. You mentioned Halloween, and uh, I had a little fun yesterday because we had this massive bowl of Halloween candy.' It's biggest bowl, I think this this side of Mississippi. And we had all this candy in there. And at the end of the day, the candy that was left was all whoppers. Not picking on one candy, but no one. I've yet to find Everybody. someone that loves us whoppers. But um, Greg, uh, Paula just mentioned a couple things there, kind of beyond the candy. Um, you know, uh, av- evolution challenges uh, some of the dynamics that are continued to evolve. Very fluid. You know, some days uh, you know it, things change, or, or it's like by the minute. Um, Greg, speak to some of that, uh, and then and then we'll keep driving, Paula.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason that we had kind of smoother times prior to COVID was because we didn't have. I mean, look, we, um, we had this massive global shutdown of. Everything, society, business, logistics, operations—all that sort of thing—we closed an entire planet virtually overnight, and we're still feeling the repercussions of that. And additionally, some countries that may have—oh, screw it—China China and Russia realized there was opportunity here for them to try and disrupt the world and and expand, potentially expand their power. And now they're intentionally manipulating things like freight availability, product availability. Exports and all that sort of thing and and when you're as Paula said you can't it's not easy to pick up and move to another country when you're you've got an entire society on an entire planet. It's almost completely single threaded from an export import standpoint through a single corrupt and manipulative dictatorship. I mean, you're going to continue to have these disruptions. So mm. I think we're we've. you can't say that Paula, but I can <laughs> um, we'll continue to have these disruptions until we alleviate that, right? And and until these other rogue nations stop their either intentional or selfish disruptions, like Russia. Um, and and um, you know that's going to create that's going to create waves that are going to continue to ripple through through the supply chain for years to come. But mm. once we get those situations resolved, and if we can keep from having a global government intervention in society i think we'll we'll start to see it settle out though i think that this is an awakening that the supply chain frankly needed we kind of rested on our loyal, loyal laurels and we counted on that cyclical thing mm-hmm. now we realize some of those chain some of those disruptions occurred before because we haven't changed the weather i mean <laughs> except for except for it, 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 the temperature increasing but There have been freezes in Texas that have caused petroleum-based product shortages, right? There have been other disruptions. Ships have gotten stuck in the Suez Canal before. All of these things have happened before, and the supply chain was able to deal with that. With the additional disruption, the massive uh, seismic societal disruption, right, as the CEO of XPO loves to say, um, then then we've had that as a backdrop behind all of these other typical disruptions.
1: So Paula, um, you know you mentioned getting freight across borders uh, just prior uh, in your previous response. Uh, I bet that's where uh, a really trust-filled relationship with your um, your freight forwarder can really uh, um, uh, come to bear. And and with that as a prefacing uh, statement, uh, answer speak to that, and also speak to you know how can working with an account executive really help with not just that. Supply chain complexity, but many others. Your thoughts?
2: Right, absolutely. And I'm I'm a pretty simple gal because you know I went to school in the South, so um, I, I look at things really kind of in this performance and trust factor that you talk about. Right? There's certain things; they're just they're metrics. It's black and white. It showed up or didn't. And then there's this trust factor that said, "Did you do what you say you're going to do, or how did you react to it?" And I think that's really the engagement in separating because. There are so many, I mean, how many freight forwarders are out there? How many brokers are out there, right? You, you need a, what, a, a cell phone, and an email address, and you're set up and you're good to go. Right. So it's really understanding and getting to know how all of that can fit in and you can help leverage it for whatever it is. And some companies can do that across multiple. Some have to have it consolidated. And that's really, I think, where this whole border situation, some of that comes from is a lot of companies like to go cafeteria style, pick out what they want, et cetera. Others say, give me the Happy Meal. Let's do it, right? Let's just put it all together and give me the toy surprise. And I think that that's some of the, the customization that we're kind of talking about. And, and the only way to get to do that or to, to, to get to that conclusion is to get to know them, right? Understand what they're doing today, tomorrow, because if it's all based on performance, right? Then, then you can go a different direction. So I really like looking at it from those two dynamics as we move forward. So that way you can align, right? What intentions are for both sides because it's gotta right. be a good fit not everyone's the best fit for every customer and not every customer's the best fit for every freight forwarder. So.
1: Paula. Yeah. So true. So true. And and Greg, you know, Paula's very kind about, you know, if you've got a cell phone or email, you can move stuff, but I bet there's all in, in that quality scale. Uh, I bet there's also, you know, there's the real movers and shakers and yep. there's a lot of folks that can, that fail miserably. Greg speak to that. And then we're going to start picking Paula for advice in the next segment.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> It's funny the vast array of technologies that we still use, including pen and paper and spreadsheets. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, and, and cell phones. And, but I mean, I think if you've got, especially for enterprise accounts, having that ability, and I think this is really important to understand the goals of a particular client first and then to work through their um their specific issues relative to their goals having that framework in one group of people is really really important because you can go hey here's one of the reasons we're having this problem is because you ordered the happy meal and the happy meal only comes with one order of fries and you need two (laughs) right so maybe we do need to customize or maybe we ought to right maybe we ought to go to the double cheeseburger meal it's time to grow up a little bit and maybe Paula, they don't get the toy Right, that they get something that's a little bit more fitting for their age.
2: Right, you can add on for two dollars a salad because we should all be eating more veggies. Right, come on now. Right,
0: your supply chain's <laughs> a little bloated. Oh. you got to think about a salad. You know? I love that. But I, love I mean, that. I think you know, I think that it's important to recognize that in a group like this, right, like like your group Paul, that you have to understand the goals and the wherewithal, of, if you will, of a particular customer. Do they want to be really hands on? Do they want to be really Hands off. Either way, when that hits the fan, um, you know, at least you have this frame of reference to refer back to. And then you can because you're all in the same group, you can go, okay, look, what you ordered before worked for a while. But now if we're going to have these kind of disruptions, which it looks like we will, we should change. We should adapt. Right. How we how we construct this relationship a bit. And it, te- it does take a tremendous amount of, str- of trust in that. And there's a lot of opportunity for distrust in the supply chain. And I think that's what a forwarder really offers is wades through all of those potential gotchas, um, both your internal ones and the external ones as you hit different ports and, and points of entry and that sort of thing. But um, I-, I think that's what's so critical about this is they're an agent, an advocate for you, and also a problem solver to help you design, redesign the solution as you need it.
1: Mm. Um, Paula, you, you know, we're going to pick your brain on some advice on a couple different levels in a second. Do you want to speak to any of that what Greg just shared?
2: Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on his head. You got to be a little selfish. I mean, that's what account executives and these representatives are here to do, right, is really to provide value. And if you're not asking for that, if you're not open to it, it is very hard. You're going to get an elevator speech that marketing provided, which is wonderful in a one minute spiel, but it really, that partnership absolutely helps out. And that, that trust and honesty, right. We've talked about transparency. We've talked about the goals. If you're not honest with that, right. I could put the best process in place, but if a C level person comes in and says, that's nice, but this is what I'm doing. All that work is for not. So it really is about that alignment
1: hmm. um,
2: from that perspective.
1: I love that. Um, uh... So yeah, I'm stuck on that food analogy. Quite frankly, <laughs> Paula and Greg, when y'all start talking, it's lunchtime, Scott. Yes, that's it. Must be why. So cafeteria. Let me just say, uh, whenever I hear that word, I go directly to as a kid going to the Piccadillys in Augusta, Georgia, at Regency Mall with my nan and pop, and they let me get whatever item that I wanted, including two desserts, if that's what that they brought. So that's mm-hmm. what always brings the Piccadillys. Ever been to one, Paula or Greg? Piccadillys. Not quite around as much anymore.
0: I've been to a number of cafeterias because I too had parents and great grand or grandparents and great grandparents. So, I mean, the best. you're going to go to a cafeteria, <laughs> they'll have oh, anything dancing. that comes in a bowl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, wonderful members here today. You okay, kids out
0: there, if you want to make your grandparents happy,
1: that's right. You, find a <laughs> and, and there's no shortage of food analogies when it comes to how, how global supply chain gets done uh, here in 2022. Um, all right, so a second ago, going back to your There's last one comment. food
0: analogy we don't want, right? <laughs> That's it's a type of sandwich that nobody wants.
1: <laughs> um, so Paula, uh, you finished your last response on on the power of alignment, right? Amongst uh, among other uh, items. Let's let's um get you to speak to you know, giving advice to folks on your team. You know, that army of account executives, folks, or or maybe folks outside the four walls, other folks that are moving, you know, moving stuff. What, what would be your advice for them to be successful in what they do day in day out?
2: Right. Um. At, we can switch from food analogies to sports analogies if we want to, right? Because we're, we're all a part of a team, and <clears> that's the thing that we really have to do. Is no one person wins a match or a game, right? You got to have offense, defense. You got to understand. You got to play your position, but the best players tend to be versatile, right? where you cross train, you don't, if you're going to play football, you've got to hit the, the swimming pool at a certain point in time, right? So having that amount of diversity and understanding all the different positions you could play, but really digging in on yours, I think is, is key. And that's what I tell my folks is, although you want to be really good at your position, you got to understand what's in the mind of the quarterback or the wide receiver who, whatever, you know, pitcher, whatever you want to use. And that's where you, you continue to have to grow and develop, right? And don't get stuck in your own, your own way of doing things. Cause it's hard to challenge others if you're not challenged yourself, right? And Mm. that's an uncomfortable spot for a lot of people to be in, but that's really where we grow, right? And we develop for everybody and we get a little better, right? We get out of the pen and paper and we get into the, the technology side, right?
1: Love that! Uh, um, get out of the pen and paper, into fax machines, and then into whatever the technology now. Spreadsheet, yeah. That's right. The
0: that evolution has already happened. Cool.
2: <laughs> we so actually great. had a customer that's like, "What's your fax number, Mike? Are you serious? Did we did we really have to? Um, can we just say not applicable anymore?
1: <laughs> oh man, soon, soon. All right, so Greg, uh, speak comment on the advice you just shared, and then I'm going to switch over to uh, customers that are. Know, trying to move stuff and see what Paula's advice would be there. Your thoughts, Greg?
0: Yeah, sure. Two things: that team spirit is what develops that trust, right? And and secondly, understanding what your teammates and I—I I would argue that your teammates are both inside and outside your four walls. Understanding what your teammates' goals and expectations are is absolutely critical, right? You have to know where they're going and why they're going there. Otherwise, it feels like they're going against you. They could very well be going the same direction as you, or at least very close to the same direction as you. You just don't understand that they're trying to get there a different way. And when you understand that it is absolutely game changing, there's that sports analogy. Thanks, Paul. Um, You're welcome. It, it is. And it, it, it helps everyone understand, you know, okay, if I do this, that's going to impact Billy Bob negatively. So maybe I should do this minus two or something like that. Right. Um and, that outreach to your team is absolutely critical to success. most well, homes
1: <laughs> well said, Greg, and you know have that conversation with Billy Bob in this case. you know, have it don't the the the, the assumptions we can make on any team, not just you know beyond far beyond the the freight moving world
0: man mm-hmm. those
1: are those are dangerous things to do, especially when it's as easy as just picking up the phone. heck even even hit him with a slack or something. Have the conversation. um okay. So Paula, I want to switch gears. Now that we've gotten some free advice, you may owe us a um, a, a consulting fee later. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the advice you'd give a customer who is, you know, navigating that relationship, not just with the environment and, and navigating um, the challenging environment of, of, of moving freight, but is navigating that relationship with their freight forwarder. What else would you? What advice would you you, you have there?
2: Uh, I got a lot of free advice and that might be what it's worth, right? Um, at the end of the day, because understanding that motivation that Greg talked about, I think is really key in, internally, but it, it is really taking the time to have the conversations. Transparency is a hard thing for those those really rooted in old negotiation tactics that say I hold all the cards and I don't share anything. It is very hard, right, to get where you need to go by trying to play too much of a game, right, To to overplay that card. Um, so that's what I would just recommend is understand where you and your organization want to go and then take the time, right? Not only to read, but to sit and have the meetings and to have the conversations. Cause you'll work through that pretty quickly. Um, and that's where you, you end up building the trust. You understand the performance cause those are easy enough to do, but you can work on that relationship and figure out where they fit. So I would just encourage, right. Be a student of the business at the end of the day. We all are. Um, we're students of supply chains of corporations of right customer behavior, all of that at the end of the day. Um, so that's kind of what I would I would encourage everyone to do.
1: Love that, Paula. Uh, Greg, your thoughts?
0: Yes, do more of that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> seriously, <clears throat> it seems so basic. But this, I'll, 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 you know, my only, you know this, Scott, my only um, negotiation tactic is complete transparency because nobody can make you do anything. So there's no harm in exposing what your goals are when you're having... These kind of discussions. So, um, you know, I I think that is that sort of holding the cards close. That's a very old school thing. Um, There are always people who can see through that anyway, and they're going to take advantage of you anyway. There are whole classes on people to know when somebody is holding the cards close and to know what they're defending against. Um, So it, it doesn't I don't think it does you any good anyway. Again, if you if you're going to do what's best for your company, then sharing more doesn't hurt.
1: So that's exactly where my brain went. And Paula, I want I want to uh, bring in kind of a bonus question before we we make sure we level set with so folks know what the, your organization does and some resources we've got. But I'm I'm completely with you. That transparency is such a powerful powerful way of leading and managing and building these relationships. So Paula. If you can uh, speak to this and, and if you'd rather not, that's fine, we'll take it offline. But that one that first instance where you do share that information and you share your cards and if you get if if what you get coming back is where they've taken that information to manipulate things in their favor that that's got to be a red flag and tells you you got to find a new new relationship. is that is that fair and accurate, Paula? I, I think
2: that that is as long as you understand right and we've seen it over the last couple of years, right? I ain't lying the truth just changes, right? At some point in time it shifts and you know we've all we can go back to chapter books if you want to, right? The who moved my cheese concept. We right now we have evolving supply chains and so sometimes where the conversation starts and where it ends a year or two later is not always the exact same spot yeah. and it's that that genuine path that you go down, right? And and being open to it and understanding that motivation that I think really will help kind of get out that what I want versus what I really need at the end of the day. And that's what I think customers are all trying to work towards at the end of the day and what we're trying to help support.
1: Love that. Who moved my cheese? Classic, classic read there. Greg, your final take around it. You know, I really think, I, I think I see so many, we talk with so many business leaders, both in front of the camera, so to speak, and kind of behind closed doors. And I think a lot of them, there, there's varying degrees in terms of, of how comfortable they are with transparency with one of the fears, be fears being that how suppliers may, may use, misuse that, right? And I think it's something as an industry we're all working through, especially as we see um, you know, instant data, instant information in this digital era we live in. But Greg, your, your final thoughts there, and then we're gonna uh, move forward with Paula.
0: Well, what is this entire show about? It's about trust, right? I mean, it's about trusting your freight forwarding relationship. If you don't trust your freight forwarding relationship, get another one. <laughs> That's my suggestion. I mean, it's simple, right? If you don't believe that you can trust your your business partners, get new ones. That's right. The truth is, and this is an absolute fact. I've found this one hundred percent of the time. The people who are the least trusting are also the least trustworthy. They're projecting who they are on who they're working with. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you think about it, this is a foundational psychological precept, right? We project all the time. We assume that everyone in the world knows what we know, right? That they're a baseball fan or they're a Chiefs fan, which they all ought to be, um, (laughs) right? Or they're honest or they're dishonest or whatever. But all of that comes from an internal understanding of who you are, whether it's conscious or subconscious, an internal understanding of who you are and what you believe and how you operate and projecting that on the world. So, if you've got, you know, I would argue that if you've got business partners who don't trust you, you probably can't trust them either. Mm. And you ought, whatever side of the relationship you're on, you ought to be rethinking that. Either find new people to work with at that company, or find a new company to work with. So, so much truth a psychological there. lesson nobody signed
1: up for. <laughs> Well, Paula, I know that anytime I hear the word precept in a conversation, that it's above my pay grade. Uh, so, psychological precepts with Greg White—that's next next podcast series we're going to launch here at Supply Chain. Now, <laughs> love that. Um, all right, so Paula, let's level set. Look, everyone knows UPS, and the most of the world knows you know, UPS Global Freight Forwarding. For the three people out there, three almost shared ten fingers. Three people out there. You know, in a nutshell, tell us what your organization does so they know when to pick up the phone.
2: Right. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, our goal is right end-to-end solutions with some of those double French fries, right? The happy meals that you want with the double fries. Um, and it's really uh, the only reason why we're here, right, is to help business grow, right? To keep commerce moving, to keep information flowing, um, to make sure everybody is going in the right direction. Uh, my group specializes, of course, in the ocean, air, North American, customs brokerage, that expertise, that visibility, that connectivity is really where we where we find ourselves at home.
1: Love that. Um, all right. So, and not only, Paula, have you brought all of this um uh industry goodness to the table, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, both kind of the, the focus aspect also is the bigger the bigger picture, right? Um so let's you brought you brought resources as well. And the first one I want to share and get you to kind of comment on is next week, November 15th. Uh the UPS supply chain solutions team is hosting this 2023. Trade Policy, and Compliance Outlook Webinar. And folks, y'all, if you're looking in this uh, live stream visually, you can see some of the topics they're going to be speaking to. And again, this is 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on November 15th. Paula, why should folks, what's the whiff on here? Why should folks check out this webinar?
2: Right, because... Who can keep track of all of it, right? We talked about earlier being students of the business and the understanding trade policy. It's not just actual movement of the freight, but what goes on or wrapped around it, right? Um, Just because you can move it from point A to point B doesn't mean you can get into the country clearance-wise, et cetera. So it is important to stay on top of it and find out how that may or may not impact your, not only your business, but maybe others or other competitors, et cetera. So there's lots of good reasons, right, to to make sure that you stay on top of it and you invest the hour.
1: Well said there. And Greg, we can't get enough information on, along these lines, right?
0: This makes me think back to when we were talking about compliance people and people fear, fear them mostly, right? Fear, fear and loathing in compliance. There ought to be a movie. Um, but the truth is, they can save you from things like embarrassment, high cost, federal prison, things like that. So, I mean, this is an important topic, right? And right. it's very complex. Talk about constantly moving, right? Um, things are constantly changing. So, I mean, I think any bit of knowledge you can get around policy and compliance is absolutely critical.
1: Yep. So, so on several previous shows, Paula, uh, you know, we talked about kind of to Greg's point, we have tremendous resources with these compliance professionals and, uh, and, and I think it's come up in previous shows. Some folks, uh, don't know exactly how to bring them into the conversation. So they don't. And that is a huge missed opportunity there. Paula, would you agree? And any additional thoughts there around our, our beloved compliance professional community?
2: I know, absolutely. And, and I couldn't agree more. They're not the people that are the poster children that you see, right? They're usually the ones you ask to, to join a little later to the party, but they are, they're key. It's so impactful and any one of our resources can can bring that in or connect customers there's lots of information right on our websites to help find your way into some of that customs and trade compliance avenue to really get that specialty even for people who don't know you know don't know what they don't know there's usually quick q a's things to get you in the right department with the right people to almost kind of like that one eight number help desk where should i go from here press one or two <laughs> so um they they've really tried to um make it uh, more digestible for the general public because to your point, Greg, you don't want to go to federal, ge- there's a whole lot of other things, bad things that can happen out of it. So you might as well start
0: talking about it. So, true. And a whole lot better things, right? Yes. <laughs> there's yeah. a whole lot of things that are better than the alternative. If you don't listen to the <laughs> compliance <laughs>
1: people. Uh, yep. And, uh, lots of truth there. Um, okay. Well, Paula, another perfect segue because you're talking about resources, insights, uh, you name it, uh, UPS supply chain solutions offers all of that market Intel, these webinars that we just tackled a second ago, it's coming up next week. Um, all via email delivered very regularly and uh, it'll keep you more informed to be able to make better decisions faster. Would you say Paula?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think you're sharing with us one of our great resources, which is the, the Supply Chain Solution homepage that does have insights in very digestible fashion, right? A paragraph or two, a hyperlink for that. That's a great place to go to to start your search or to start looking for the right, the right folks.
1: That's right. And we're going to make it even easier. So uh, in the uh, chat, folks, we've dropped the link where you can register directly for the webinar and our team's also dropping the link uh, so you can sign up. Uh, on that at the UPS supply chain solutions uh, webpage, sign up for those regular emails to see more re- resources just like that. And I ask, and they have dropped it in there, right? Perfect timing. Thank y'all very, very much. And by the way, Leah Luton says it takes a special and multi-talented person to do what Paula does. I agree with you. Uh, Leah Luton, who hails from Aiken, South Carolina, AKA mom. I know mom. Her. Yeah, That's right. Love mom. Um, okay. So Paula, Uh, We have, gosh, we've gone around the horn. I I really appreciate the approach you've taken here, right? Rather than than focus only on the freight forwarding function, I'll call it our industry, the the broader business uh, relationship uh, uh, attributes and, and best practices that you've talked about here today. I think it's been it's been really golden stuff. And we've worked in Happy Meal and French fries a couple of times. And I know what we're having for dinner this evening, me and my fine family. Um, All right. So, Paula, beyond the resources, beyond the webinar, beyond the emails from our friends at uh, UPS Supply Chain Solutions, how can folks connect with you and your team, Paula?
2: Right. Absolutely. I'm 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 on LinkedIn. Most of my team is on LinkedIn, but uh, we're all there. We're all available. We're all we're all floating around. Excited to talk, right? That's what we do all day long. Talk to people on the phone, get to know them, get to figure out how we can help.
1: Man, Greg, music to my ears. Uh, you know, helping, helping, get fo- helping make things easier and simpler, even in the complex environment, changing environment that we find ourselves in day in and day out here in global supply chain these days, right?
0: Yeah, I think you have to think of this as an extension of your business, really right? Somebody who does every day, the one of the things that you need most done. Um, and, and you see this so, so much. And I think more companies should embrace these kind of relationships where you find experts, you find people who can advocate and extend your organization um, who have incredible skills and incredible connections and, um, you know, and probably can do it at a lower cost than you can do it yourself. Uh, right. I just think that, more organizations. And as we have more organizations who are brand first or, you know, kind of companies that having this kind of strategic and tactical expertise is, is absolutely critical. I don't want to say set it and forget it because of course, if we talk, as we've talked about here, it's, it's an interaction, it's a constant interaction and it's a constant navigation of what you need to get but that's the same as any internal organization that you work with as well. It's just that these are people who can focus on and learn from the, not only the issues, the problems and the opportunities that your business has, but their other clients as well. And bring that information, bring that knowledge to bear for you that, that allows you to gain from the the full universe of knowledge that's out there.
1: Well said, well said, uh, Paula, while we still have you, uh, Looks like we're starting a Paula Roach fan club here in Atlanta, GA. Uh, by the way, folks, we dropped in the LinkedIn profile. You can connect with Paula there. And Larry, I love what Larry says here. Good stuff. Keep looking for ways to help your customers grow, and you won't worry about folks trusting you. That That's a big part of that North Star, right?
0: No question.
1: Um, okay. Well, Paula, really have enjoyed our time together, both pre-show and during the show here today. Uh, I look forward to, hey, if, if you don't send us pictures, it didn't happen, that apple cider. Uh, <laughs> let's keep it after a good week. How about that? Uh, around the campfire uh, with you and, and and the kids reading those chapter books. But hey, kidding aside, really appreciate your supply chain expertise and leadership you dropped here today on a variety of levels. So want to thank you, Paula Rotes, Managing Director of Enterprise Accounts for UPS Global Freight Forwarding. We look forward to having you back again very soon.
2: Thanks, Thanks guys. Appreciate it. You bet. this was fun.
1: Yes, it was fun. The, the the swoosh caught her right there at the end, but, but it really is. And, you know, spending time with Paula, uh, as we uh, did pre-show and, and now, uh, during the show, it is, she's the same behind the camera as she is in front of the camera. I mean, it really keeping it real, uh, no nonsense, um, been there and done it though, you know, uh, really enjoy. And I bet her team and her customers really enjoy, uh, working with her. Don't you think?
0: unquestionably, I mean, I think, look, I think the theme of this is really, really important, right trust filled relationships, and she I mean she kept going back to that uh, yep you know, despite all the operational challenges that they deal with on a day to day basis and all the cr- goodness that they provide for all their companies, she kept going back to that trust element, and I think that is so critical and you know if there's any lesson that you you walk away from is find people with that. Find business partners with that trust and trustability as their is that a word, Scott, I agree it is with it. <laughs> as <laughs> at their as one of their core principles. Um, trustworthiness is the word I was looking for, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, you want that as somebody's core principles. And it's so it's so apparent. You just saw a great example of it right here. So, um, you know, look for that and leverage that and be that frankly, that same kind of of business partner to all of your trading partners, whether they're service providers, their internal team, right? They're your suppliers, whatever they are, um, you know, be that for them and, and you will find, you may not always have, but you don't always have anyway, um, trustworthy, uh, business partners, but you will find them, right? If you, Project that. That's what we were talking about before. If you project that trustworthiness and that trust, then you will find trading partners that are trustworthy and, and that trust you as well.
1: Agreed. If you can't have the conversation we've had the last uh, 52 minutes with your freight forwarder, uh, find a new one, perhaps. Uh, uh, And again, the precepts, the precepts of supply, global supply chain management, but folks kidding aside, Really have enjoyed the last hour. Uh, big thanks to our uh, entire production team that helped us make these shows happen. Big thanks to all the folks who showed up. I know we couldn't get to all the comments. Um, Greg, always a pleasure to knock out these conversations with you. Likewise. Uh, of course, really have enjoyed uh, Paula Rotes with UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Make sure you all connect with her on LinkedIn and check out the webinar and those insights from the team at UPS Supply Chain Solutions. But whatever you do, hey, it's all about deeds, not words, right? Uh, There's no shortage of challenges in today's complex global supply chain uh, environment. But a big part of the big part of the solution is partnering with the right people. So take action. You can act on a lot of things we talked about here today. Uh, Beyond all that, Scott and Greg challenging you The whole supply chain now team challenging you to do good, to give forward and to be the change that's needed. And with that said, see you next time right back here on supply chain now. Thanks, everybody.